for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to Joseph Arthur's Technicolor Dreamcast. Hit songs. How do you write them? I don't know. I've been writing songs for a long time. I've never had what you would call a hit song. It's not a woe is me story. I've had some songs that got out there in public consciousness to some degree, but the elusive hit song, I don't know. It it takes a certain skill. I mean, it's melodies and lyrics and rhythms and catching lightning in a bottle and catching the mood of the era. It's uh, It's quite a feat if you think about it, and especially if you think about how many other people are out there trying to write hit songs. There's courses on writing hit songs. Uh, a lot of times there's songwriting factories where you know the biggest hits of the day are written by 45 different producers, uh, each one um, you know, contributing a syllable to a word, I guess. I don't know how that works, but it uh, seems like too many cooks in the kitchen to me. But my next guest, has actually written some massive, massive hit songs, uh, you know, era-defining anthems, really, if we think about it. And uh, and he continues to be in an important band right now called The Defiant. And his song, Dead Language, I had Dickie Barrett, the singer of The Defiant, on, and I complimented Dickie on the lyrics of Dead Language, assuming he had written them, but no, he said my... Next guest wrote them, Greg Camp. He is an award-winning American Grammy-nominated songwriter, film music composer, and music producer. He is best known as the founding guitarist and primary songwriter for the rock band Smash Mouth. His awards and multi-platinum albums serve as a career resume in the music world. He left Smash Mouth after 16 years and has remained a film music composer and songwriter. And he is currently, as I said, a member of the band, The Defiant. So don't delay, act now, supplies are running out. Allow if you're still alive, six to eight years to arrive. And if you follow, there may be a tomorrow. But if the offer shun, you might as well be walking on the sun. Welcome, Greg. <laughs> what a banger that, that is, though. <laughs> Welcome singing. to the show, man. How are Thanks you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Thanks for coming on. I want I want a songwriting lesson. I want to know how to write a hit song by the end of this interview. That's my that's my secret agenda for this. And the other agenda is just to have a cool conversation. About me too. Yeah, me too. You know, I've, some people in my life always just go, How, can you just do that again? Can you just kind of make those songs over and over? And like you just said, the lightning in a bottle thing. It's like, I think the songs, I'm one of those believers and the songs are out there and they find you and you have to be open when they're there. Otherwise you miss them, you know? So. And so, yeah, like, so I mean, how were you open to it at that time? How did Smash Mouth come together? And also, you are a good singer. I've heard you sing solo acoustic stuff. It's almost like you got a James Taylor thing. Your your solo stuff reminds me almost like James Taylor or something. Hmm. Beautiful lyrics, insightful lyrics, well-crafted, great melodies. Um, and then you have a band like Smash Mouth, which, I mean... 
that song walking walking on the sun is such a the way it's produced with that crazy i think it's a clavinet or something it sounds like a 60s surf jam but it's such a pop banger as well so how did that all come together why did you decide to put smash mouth together did you put it together and why didn't you want to be the singer how did you know to fall back in that band as that's the guitarist a even lot of that's a lot of questions that's, I know. that's so many that's qu- i didn't style. even know where to start with that man i know that's how i do this thing i ask 14 <laughs> questions what, what goes on in that brain man um, i don't know man <laughs> well I, I guess i'll start with you know the uh, smash mouth was actually put together by steve harwell um rest in peace uh R. and and our first um drummer kevin um they put the band together and then they went and it was just a drummer and a singer and they went looking for a guitarist and a bassist that could write songs and they found myself and uh paul delisle playing in cover bands around san jose california and uh we just kind of started more of like a bar buddy friendship where we were just kind of like partying and you know making music in the daytime and playing in bands uh you know in bars at nighttime and the song walking on the sun was actually written uh for a band that i was in when i met those guys and that song was actually turned down by that band and so uh i brought that (laughs) oops later later um you know i you know i was under the impression that that song sucked and so that drummer kevin found it in a shoebox on a cassette and kind of uh inserted that song into the band um carson daly who uh you know everyone knows who carson daly is now but back then he was a radio dj on a local station in san jose kome and he started spinning it um for just out of the kindness of his heart he just liked the band and um he moved to k-rock in Los Angeles and brought that song with them. And a few days later we had a record deal. So he was very much responsible for the band getting out there and getting that song heard. Was that the version we know of as the hit song? Was that the version he was already playing? Was that pre record deal? Did you guys produce that yourselves? Yes. Yes. That's insane. Um, Yeah. So Eric Valentine, our producer actually heard the song and and went, Oh, I know what we should do with this. Let's, let's give it this, you know, sixties chug and, you know, put some weird sounds in there and use, uh, which you said was a clavinet. It's actually a Farfisa. Um, and then like a fuzzed out guitar was making that weird sound. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, Okay, so you meet Steve Harwell, rest in peace. That's how you say his name. Did I get his last name? Steve right? Har- Harwell. S- Steve Harwell, excuse me. Um, and the band comes together. And before that, I mean, you're a you're a, it's it's not a stretch to call you a very gifted songwriter. I mean, and you don't just write in that genre. You you didn't just wake up and write that song. You must have been writing songs for many years before that, right? Yeah, writing songs, but, you know, I think I needed some other people to, you know, be the vehicle to help those songs, you know, develop and be realized, you know, I mean, I could write songs and on my four track and this and that, and I'd been doing that since high school, you know, but nothing to that caliber why do you think you needed that because i've heard you perform solo acoustic and you sound great so i don't understand why you because i didn't i i I never set out to sound like james taylor (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um, well, I think it's it, there was an aspect of that song I heard uh, that was had a one moment that was reminiscent of. It's not like it was a James Taylor ripoff thing. <laughs> no, I, I know what song you're talking about, and I've heard that before. And I'm like, ah, no, not James Taylor. It not that there's anything wrong with James Taylor. It's just dude, not James exactly Taylor my rules, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he does. Come on. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. You're right. He, he's he's a monster, but. <laughs> he is, man. And he used to be like a junkie and looked like real cool and stringy. Oh, see, now and... I like him. Right. He had that <laughs> night. He was grunge 90s before it was even cool. And then uh, I, and then a, apparently that song, You're you're So Vain, you probably think that this song is about you is about him. That's what I heard. I don't right. know if it's true, but well, did so, did Carly Simon write that song or did he write that song? I think he uh, Carly Simon wrote it about him. No, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Um, I gotta ask you this though. So, what was it like? Did you get? Did you guys get signed to Interscope? Who signed you? Uh, Jimmy Iovine. Really, Jimmy and. Uh... The guy named uh, Ted Field and Tom Wally was our actual A&R there. Amazing. So you guys landed in the big leagues straight away. You jumped into the deep end of the pool. What was that like going from cover bands to, you know, hanging out with Steve and, you know, knocking back beers and whatnot? Whatnot um, in parentheses. I'm sure whatnot. <laughs> I'm sure whatnot right. was this big. But like, there are some what's and some knots for sure. There was a lot uh, of what and a lot of nut. <laughs> what I mean, not. I yeah, we were not, like but one one day we too. were like hanging out in Campbell, Campbell, California, and the next day we were going up an elevator in in Los Angeles to to meet Jimmy Iovine. And honestly, I did not even know who that was at the time. Because Dude, why do you call him Jimmy Iovine? I've never heard his name pronounced. I thought it was Jimmy Iovine. I always called him Jimmy Iovine. Maybe that's why he doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's how it's spelled. But I every time, like you know, if I hear Dre talking about beats, he's like me and Jimmy Iovine. Uh, I don't know. I could be making that up. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so yeah, so, we're going up the elevator to his office, and and he was blown away by the song, and he basically said, "You're not leaving my office until we sign a deal. Get your lawyer up here." And at that point, we were terrified because the whole death row thing, and you know, that place was like super locked down with security and kind of secret service looking people all over the building, and we were like, "No, okay, we're we'll stay here and we'll sign with you. Just you know, just let us live." Did he offer you tons of money? Did you guys get a massive advance? At the time, you know, it, we were blown away by the offer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like the dream coming true. Come here, kid. I'm going to make you a star. I mean, that's like oh, yeah. the Hollywood cliche of the dream coming true. You had it. It was incredible. It was an amazing time and man, great memories. And not only that, the, though they delivered, that became a huge hit. They got it onto MTV. You guys made a great video. I mean, the song's a banger, so they were smart. But like, it all worked. A lot of people get into that 
kid, you're not leaving until you sign a record deal. And then nothing ever happens. And that's the where their dream begins and also ends. For you guys, this truly was the beginning of a really wild ride. What was that like? It's true, you know, and, you know, after a while, you know, we kind of learned, you know, we're like, well, we only, that's the only song that sounded like that on the record. The rest of the songs were like kind of like this punk pop ska thing that was going on at the time. And we were sort of, you know, on that whole thing. And so, you know, once that album was over with, you know, we, we just figured out, you know, and people were calling us a one hit wonder and we were starting to believe it a little bit. And so, you know, when it came time to make the sophomore record, I knew that I had my work cut out. And so, you know, we turned in what we thought was a finished, amazing album, you know, and, and Jimmy Iovine was sitting up there, you know, with his hat slammed down over his head like this. He's like, do you mind if I swear, by the way? Uh, it's a family friendly show, Greg. Okay. You know, so he was like going, <laughs> where's the chorus? I don't hear the chorus. You know, where's the chorus? Come on, give me a chorus. Where's the chorus? And so <laughs> with some F-bombs dropped in there. Right. And we so, got it. <laughs> yeah. And so where's I had to. F you could say this. Where's the F in chorus? I don't hear an F in chorus. Right. That's Something like basically that. that's basically what he was saying. Yeah. So I, yeah. I went back to the went back to the drawing board. You know, and they said, yeah, I think we hear a third single, maybe a second single, but we definitely hear a third single and, but we don't hear a first single. So get back to your cave and come, don't come back until you have a, a hit. And so, mm. um, I went back to my cave and wrote all star and then the morning comes and those became the first two singles off of Astro lounge or second album. Um, if they didn't say, if he didn't send me back, uh, we, we wouldn't have those songs. Dude, I have a I have a story, a failure story of that same story because I was on Peter Gabriel's label. I had my own version of "You're Gonna Be a Star Kid" type of dream come true, and then my first record was produced by Marcus Dravs, who had at the time he he ended up producing Coldplay and um, Arcade Fire or Arcade Fire. I think he helped with Coldplay or something. He definitely produced Arcade Fire. He's produced some big bands since. But then he was just Brian Eno's understudy, not just. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And he had this no reverb rule. We made a my debut record with no reverb. And the and Virgin Records, who was, you know, taking care of my record, basically, Nancy Berry, introduced me to Glenn Ballard at some kind of Grammy party. And Glenn was like, yeah, I listened to your record. And he's the one who wrote all those Alanis Morissette hits. And she was like, I want you to work with Glenn. And Glenn was like, yeah, you have a great movie. You just don't have a trailer, which is the same thing. I just, you just don't have right. a first single. And I was uh -huh. like 25 years old, full of myself. And I said, listen, uh, maybe we'll work on the next one. But I just want this record to be just like <laughs> just like what it is. And you didn't play like ball. That, <laughs> Dude, I did not play ball. And, you know, it's one of those things where if if I knew then what I know now, I would have said, great, when do we get together and write a hit song, Glenn? You know, right. like, duh. Anyway. Yeah. So well, fortunately, at the time, I didn't have an ego yet, but I did later, you know. Um, and oh. when, I, when I stopped playing ball, that's when things started going wrong. So I understand. Isn't that funny? That is wild. So, but it, but it worked so well. All star. 
hey now you're a rock star get your game on i mean i don't know all the lyrics i i, I must confess but i know the song and all the glitters is gold only shooting stars break the mold something like that right yeah hit at, like hook after hook i mean so when you go into the studio and you know you got to write a hit what was going through your head how did you formulate it into what it became which is an epic hit a timeless classic let's face it well at the time we were listening to you know speaking of jimmy ivy we were listening to eminem and we were listening to a lot of hip-hop and so that song started with a breakbeat you know just, and um you know, I just started playing bass to it. Um, I knew I wanted some whistling. I always thought that songs that had a whistle hook yep. in them were, were yep. that's just an extra little hook in the bait shop. And there you uh, go. Uh, let's see, um, the, the lyrics of the song were uh, inspired by fan mail, actually. And so when uh, Paul and I, the bass player and I would uh, read all the fan mail, that's back when people actually wrote things out on pieces of paper with pens and pencils and put a stamp on an envelope and sent them to us. Um, we read all that stuff and we were noticing um, there's a common thread of, of kids being bullied and not fitting in and thanking us for, I mean, we must've been like the soundtrack to, you know, ki kids who didn't youth. fit in or something. Right. And so, um, you know, so anyway, we wanted to write a song that was kind of a, an affirmation for those kids and, saying you know look you know look at yourself in the mirror and say you're great get out there and don't listen to these people and hey now you're an all-star basically incredible man i can't wait to talk more about this after these words on tnt tnt's pervoy morich he details factually how russia is rolling out the algorithm ghetto um you know the the, the multipolar edition of the algorithm ghetto a prototype of a traffic light that records traffic violations by a pedestrian at a crossing was tested in Moscow. So Russians now, they'll, they'll have a, the government will take a snapshot of their face and then run that through the databases to figure out who is who and then find them, uh, I suppose. Uh, and then, you know, he, he points out that there are a lot of developments now. Moscow 2030, it's, it's uh, they want to make uh, Moscow achieve smart city status uh and there's just you know you look at the white papers moscow and russia are all in on agenda 2030 smart cities algorithm ghetto digital ids pervoy morich on today's news talk tnt a better business tip from tnt radio News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. We were just talking about Oasis because I sing in an English accent often when I'm singing a pop hit. And uh, because I'm always sort of singing Oasis too, another huge band. And Greg said, yeah, uh, 
you know, they're awesome. And I didn't really know. I'm sort of paraphrasing what he said. This is not how he said it. But yeah, I didn't really give it enough credit back then. I'm like, me neither. You have that resistance to it when it's happening. You think, oh, that's cheesy pop. And I was like, smash mouth, same way. Back then, you're like, oh, that's like pop, or I'm too cool to like that. But then after 20 years, you listen to it, and you're like, this is an amazing song. And you just, for some reason, time corrects things. Uh, the Stone Temple Pilots, same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Like Scott Weiland and them, they got like chastised all the time by critics and weren't cool enough. But now you listen to Stone Temple Pilots, and you're just like, this is an amazing band. And, and those records right? sound great, man. Yeah, I, I, I got to say real quick, I'm, I'm going to tell a quick story. I went and saw my friend Grace Potter play last night at the Ryman here in Nashville. And she knew I was, in fact, she put my wife and I on the list and she knew we were there. And so she started singing All Star. So my song All Star was sung at the Ryman last night and people were singing along with it. That kind of, I, I got some chicken skin when that happened. So there people you know go. it. And they know it, they love it. And did she do like an acoustic, countrified version of it? She just started singing the words and people started singing along with her. And then she called me out on it. But yeah, it was, it was kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy gift you have that you could write hits, even though like there was, you know, this machine behind you. And at that time, uh, you formulated it. Were you getting, you, you said you Eminem and the hip hop beat and the whistle. So were you analyzing hit songs? You, I mean, even just to have the consciousness of, oh, I can, I can throw another hook by a whistle here and knowing mm -hmm. that you need multiple hooks and stuff. Had you made a study of hit makers? Um, I was looking at the charts and what was happening and, and, a lot of times, you know, like we just talked about the Oasis and I was more into blur to tell you the truth, but you know, I would look, listen to the radio and look at MTV and, and go, what's not there. What, what would I rather see there? And so all-star was basically, you know, almost fabricated scientifically, musically put together because I wanted to hear a song like that on the radio and uh, something that was sort had a hip hop beat but wasn't rapping it was more melodic and that you could rap that song if you know the way it the way that it rhythmically li uh lands yep uh, dude i'm doing it a lot in my new songs um hip hop rhythm vocals mm -hmm. but if you throw a melody on it you totally get away with with the whole like without the white boy trying to rap tag you can actually rap as long as you sing it a little bit, Nate Dogg style. Then yeah. all of a sudden you're just singing a song with like fast rhythm. Yeah, right. It's a it's a good trick. <laughs> it's a good trick. I, I stumbled on it myself because I was just trying to rap. And then I'm like, let me throw a melody on this and it worked <laughs> much better. <laughs> um, So let's see what I, I was going to ask you something else too but um so you said then that out at a certain point you did get an ego so you now you have this second album two, two big hits or maybe three right i mean and when did the shrek thing come along was that later um yeah it came you know after we released our second album um and the song was already out and then dreamworks came to us and there was, we have this movie you know, and that may have been right about when my ego started 
kicking in and I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to sell out, you know, cause back then, you know, getting your song oh, yeah. on TV or in a commercial or in a movie, it, you're basically selling out, you know? And what I didn't realize is that we were already sold out. You know, we were on pop radio, we were crossing over into different, you know, markets and this and that. And so, you know, the whole pop punk thing was gone. You know, we didn't have that audience. And so I should have just said, yeah, let's go for it. But anyway, um, I was outnumbered. The band wanted to do it. We ended up doing it and it was the best decision we all ever made. You know, even though I was kind of kicking and screaming about it, but you know, Shrek. Was that was Shrek, Shrek one or Shrek two? One. See, I, I got asked by, to be, to do Shrek two. And they said, mm -hmm. write a strange love song. And I wrote, you're strange and I'm strange. Don't want you to change, no way. Ah. And that became the closing credits song called You're So True. But it was, the director wanted it to be the opening animation and fought really hard to get it. But then I got beat out by the Counting Crows. It was right. just this close. But It's funny because, hey. yeah, I, I submitted a song for that too and, and felt the same sting of being beat out by the Counting Crows. But their song sounds a lot like mine just saying oh yeah <laughs> you got to be careful when you sign that nda you know <laughs> just saying love the counting crows but if you look anyway um so so your ego starts growing and then what happens with the band how did the band come unglued did like what was the ravages of success i guess I mean, it was just, you know, pretty typical, you know, we, we all just kind of like got pretty big for our britches and, um, uh, you know, started kind of getting into the money and getting into the success and not really working very hard. And, you know, the, by the time the third album came out, you know, I, you know, I, I was definitely trying to work my ass off and writing songs and everything, but you really do have to catch the lightning you have to be in the right place at the right time shrek was in the right place at the right time and uh you need all those all those things the combination to the lock you know you can't you got to have all those numbers lined up so yeah and the thing is man when you're young i mean you're probably you know obviously more youthful it, it's it's when all that stuff goes away that humility happens and then when you're sort of our age now we're we're similar age group um i feel like you're just naturally more humble and if you think back at those opportunities you'd be like oh my god i would just be waking up at five in the morning putting on a pot of coffee and you know being brill building style about my craft and just like take that opportunity take that football and run you know all the way down for touchdown and after touchdown right yeah yeah, definitely. For some reason, that kind of goes away for a minute, and you just think that you're untouchable, and it's going to last right. forever. And and then you know, once you let your guard down, it's gone, you know, or almost gone. And so you try to get it back, you know, and you know, and and plus, oh, you know, know, if if you're not you too or somebody, I mean, even you too, I'm sure that you know have had a few little stumbles here and there, but you know, it's like if you you really got to keep on it, you really got to keep your keep your craft and keep your band healthy and keep yourself healthy, you know? 
So have you evolved spiritually as a result of this? Because what I hear you saying is there needs to be a blend of spirit and inspiration and sort of what I consider what comes from God. And then also enough of the ego to where you can um, exist in the material plane and, and, you know, go to the Jimmy Iovine or Iovine meeting and, and, you know, talk Turkey with them. You have to have an ego but the ego can't be driving. The ego has to be riding shotgun and the spirit has to be driving. Are you there now? And what was the, if you are, and I'm assuming you are, what was that journey like? Uh, I mean, it, it's a long journey, but you know, I, I think that every day I, I figure something out, you know, it's like I, I read a few different kinds of books and, you know, I do have a higher power and I do believe that if you look at nature, you can learn a lot about how real life works. Um, you know, you can't force things. The universe is doing what it's supposed to do. Just stuff like that, you know, but you mm -hmm. do have to keep yourself healthy and keep your mind healthy. And what practices do you do? I mean, do you do a morning routine? Are you going mm -hmm. to yoga? Do you meditate? Do you pray? I wish I went to yoga. <laughs> I've only been to a few yoga classes and I don't like classes. And so I do like, you know, I'll get on YouTube and, you know, watch Adrian and, and try to bend in, in ways that I'm not supposed to be bending. Um, as far as in the morning, yeah, I have a ritual. I try to get up uh, before everybody else in my house and read and stretch and just think about, you know, plan the day, plan the 24 hours and, um, you know, have a few different books that I read. Uh, right now I'm reading, I'm actually reading Rick Rubin's book which is very helpful. Mm. You know, he's very spiritual and it's, it's been really, uh, helpful. And then there's another book. Um, uh, oh my gosh. Now I'm not going to remember the name of it. Seven laws of highly effective spiritual, people, seven, seven laws of spiritual success or something like that. Oh, um, but it's not necessarily doesn't have, you don't have to put it towards being like monetary, like, money success or wealth you know but it's just your life it's life success and that definitely helps i can open up to any page in that book i'll before this conversation i will uh is over i'll i'll get the name of the book for you yeah okay i love stuff like that i'm i'm big into it i'm writing something along those lines myself and rick rubin the the modern version the one that's podcasting and giving us his creative insights is 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 my favorite version of Rick Rubin. I love it. I love his yeah. uh, creative insights. That book, I have it. I haven't read the whole thing or listened to the whole thing, but I've listened to quite a bit of it. And I always check out his podcasts and stuff like that. He's he's awesome in that realm for sure. It's it's very good for for anyone, but it's really good for creatives who are like you know hitting a writer's block or you know, some sort of creative block, you can open up to any page and go, Oh, you know, it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like somebody told me, like, if you, if you kind of sit like this, or you like kind of kick back, like you're just kind of chilling it, sometimes things will come to you, you know, instead of like sitting real, like looking too eager, you know, like just kind of let, let it happen, but you have to be ready when it does, you know? It's my number one pursuit, man, every day. I mean, I frame it in Christianity, but you can, it, it doesn't have to be framed that way. I just do seek first the father and all else will be added on to you. 
It's mm-hmm. exactly that. You, you know, and they say pre, pray, ceaseless, uh, pray ceaselessly and hold every thought captive. So that's just meditation. They're not, t- they're not really saying walk down the street saying, hey, God, what's up, God, 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 God. It's mm-hmm. b- praying ceaselessly means always being present, always mm-hmm. being laid back and waiting for revelation to come. So mm-hmm. it all, you know, it, it's all in Christianity too, all that kind of philosophy. You are right. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about the Defiant and what happened there. So, I mean, Smash Mouth, I guess, was no more for you. What were you doing before the Defiant? Like, how did that happen? And what was your life like pre the Defiant ter- in terms of music and what you were pursuing? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, you know, right after Smash Mouth um, and sort of kind of right out of smash mouth and at the beginning of this band i was in a band um, that i started with some friends of mine um called maids of honor and it was like with people that i'd known since high school and we were writing and playing rock music on the weekends mostly because everyone else had day jobs and so on the weekends everyone would basically move into my studio warehouse and we would just stay there all weekend and make music um and that was amazing we did a record and an ep that was amazing. Um, we, I ended up, that was in Santa Cruz, California when I was living there. And then I ended up moving to Los Angeles and then to New York. And so the band just sort of slowly, we just weren't playing anymore. Um, uh, I also had a little band with my wife called the Selectrics, which is kind of like, uh, Nancy Sinatra. These boots are made for walking like this kind of sixties thing. Um, and we still do that. We make holiday music and whatever else. Um, but then I started doing um, songs for movies and I ended up scoring a couple films. Um, and I, I do it when it comes along. If something, you know, floats my boat, you know, I'll do it. Um, I don't really hustle for it. I'm not good at that. Um, I like to work with other artists. I like to develop young artists and help them write songs and co-write with them and produce their stuff. I love producing. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so for years and years, I was just kind of doing whatever came to me. And, um, I was in another band called Sun Drones, um, which got signed to Island Records. And then it just sort of fizzled out. Not really sure exactly why. Um, that was one of my favorite things that I ever did. The guy named, uh, Josh Moran, you can look him up, Sun Drones. And, mm-hmm. um, cool name. Yeah. And then, um, and then just kind of years of just sort of doing, like I just said, just whatever came my way. And then um, pandemic happened. And uh, I got a call from a friend, uh, Joe Sib, who was a comedian and an old friend. He was in uh, some bands from San Jose, Frontline. And um, he's all, hey, you know Dickie Barrett, right? I'm all, yeah. He's all, give him a call. You know, you guys should get together and do something. He's the Boston's broke up and, you know, he's not at Jimmy Kimmel Live anymore. He's, you know, give him a call. And so I did. And um, I also called called him. Just cold called him. I'd actually met him at a park. He was playing with his kids in Los Angeles when I was living there. And and um, he's like, hey, you should come to Jimmy Kimmel Live. I had no idea that he was his announcer. And so um, I went to a few shows and hung out with him and um you know, we 
spoke here and there a little bit. We weren't like super besties or anything, but you know, we know each other. And um, so we started talking about putting this band together. He was already talking to um, Pete Parada, who had just been let go from the offspring. And, um, and then uh, we were also talking to Joey LaRocca from the band, the Briggs and who's an old friend of mine. And so we just kind of put this thing together and started tossing songs back and forth, like the song Dead Language that you mentioned earlier, a couple other things. And, uh, you know, Dickie would call me and say, hey, we need a song like this. And I would write some music and and have a hum a little melody, you know, a bunch of, you know, BS words that didn't make any sense. And he would put his lyrics to it and send it back to me on a cell phone recording. And I would pop that into the session and then send that to, you know, Pete and then send it to Joey and then Johnny Rio joined the band on bass uh, from Street Dogs. And we just started tossing songs around like a hot potato until they were finished. And then we had, you know, 15 songs all of a sudden and decided to make a record. Now, that's it's obviously a band of people that dealt with, you know, resisting mRNA technology and the fallout there, like Dickie and the Boston's breaking up and, you know, losing the Jimmy Kimmel live gig and Pete Parada obviously famously ousted from the offspring. Did you also endure this kind of thing? Were you vocal about that or or did that is that really not important in your inclusion in this band, which is, you know, obviously a champion of that movement to some degree and the album resonates on that level too. So what's your relationship with that? Right. Well, I mean, obviously I was not ousted or kicked out of a band or fired from a job or anything like that because I, I am self-employed. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we align in that way. Uh, medical nice. freedom is a big thing for myself and my family and uh, most people I know, you know, and we were sort of some of those people that lost friends, you know, when, when the lines were drawn, you know, when the pandemic started and we were like no we're not going to do that we're not getting jabbed we're not wearing a mask we're not i'm not doing this you know to the point where we were living in california and my wife and i and and our two children and our dog and our cats and everybody and fish jumped into a, an rv and left california just to go someplace where we could be ourselves you know and we landed here in nashville after you know living in a few other places but uh yeah i mean like i said i wasn't fired from a job but i was not i'm definitely aligned with those guys and you know that's their nice. story to tell but yeah all right man i'm glad to hear that all right well let me take a quick break and we'll be right back with more after these words on tnt give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg one of the more amazing things i've seen recently took place last week at a senate hearing looking into social media and the negative effects it has on our children here's senator josh howley confronting facebook ceo mark zuckerberg 37 percent of teenage girls between 13 and 15 were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on instagram you knew about it who did you fire senator this is why we're building all who did you fire tools. Senator, that's, I don't think that that's... Who did you fire? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer that. Because um, <laughs> I mean, you didn't is, fire anybody, right? You didn't take Senator, any significant I, I action. It's appropriate to talk about 
like it's not appropriate decisions do you know who's sitting behind you holly then pointed out to zuckerberg that in attendance were parents of children who have been harmed or as he put it are now gone would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people Zuckerberg getting up and apologizing, of course, too little, too late. But what we saw was virtually unprecedented. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days, they haven't drank anything, they're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been in prolonged for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution. And we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And we're back with Greg Camp, who is in the Defiant. So, Greg, what's it feel like to be in a vital rock and roll band, a band that actually does have a punk rock ethos uh, or ethos? Is that how you say that word? Um, You know what I mean? Like a band that's actually has a revolutionary spirit in this time of so many people being afraid and punk rock bands that we saw from the past that we thought were sort of revolutionaries all took Anita, big pharma and all that like what's it feel like to be sort of on the cutting edge i guess it feels very important you know i've wanted to be in some sort of band that was in had this sort of importance and was uh taking a stand you know that's nice, and it's really good to see, um, you know, people thanking Dickie and and um, Pete for standing up for the things that they stand up for. I mean, they're much more outspoken about this than I am, um, because they have a, a definite reason to be. And so, yeah, it feels good to be in, in an important band, saying something important, standing up. And how do you think it's going so far? How's the album being received? I saw a spin. Um, you know, was giving you guys high praise, which was awesome for all of us in this sort of movement because the mainstream sort of taking a step towards people in this movement, I think bodes well for all of us in terms, and just all of the world, frankly, beyond music. But um, how's it going? It's going great, you know, and um, it seems like the, the album's been very, very well received. You know, we've had a few things here and there, a few people hating on social media and stuff like that but when we go play shows it's like people are like yes thank you for doing this and thanks for being here and thanks for saying what you're saying um i I think a lot more people are starting to step out of the shadows and and go yeah we 
now we have a band that is saying what we want to say. And some people in other bands have, you know, secretly, you know, whispered in our ears, I wish I could say what you're doing. I just, you know, the rest of my band doesn't feel that way. And so we can't do it. Or someone in my family doesn't feel that way or, you know, and so it, it just seems like people are getting a little more on board with that. And w quickly too, cause I want to hear one of your solo songs, but what what's the direction of the new material? I mean, this one was wrapped in this whole sort of movement through tyranny we've all gone through. Is the next album starting to expand into new terrain, into stuff that is just here's a fun song and like not everything has to be like uh, sort of with a message necessarily, although we want messages as well. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, so far, it's like some of the things that we um, wanted to hear on the next album are just like uh, like Johnny Rio said, we need some barn burners. We need some some fast, you know, punk rock songs. And so I'm writing with that in mind. Um, and the other guys are starting to uh, pass songs along to me for me to look at and listen to and for, for Dickie to put his, his Dickie Barrettness on. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're, we're really still concentrating on, on the album that's out and just new yeah. materials coming along, but we're not really trying yet. Listen, man, my name isn't Jimmy Iovine, but <laughs> can I recommend a whistle hook, a hip hop beat? <laughs> uh, can I recommend also barn burners, but also a couple whistle hooks and a couple hip hop beats? Just, just a suggestion. Heck, now, heck yeah. <laughs> hey man if it if it ain't broke don't fix it greg now listen right. one of my favorite one of your songs is uh way beyond repair it's a beautiful song it's the one i mentioned earlier that that has a moment that has a, in a good way uh what was his name i already forgot james taylor James taylor a, a little james taylor moment but i'm wondering if you could uh sing that song for us i'm gonna try uh, I usually have to capo it, but I only have my nylon string, so... And this is one of your favorites? Yep, it's beautiful. It seems I've had my key in that door Two or three million times before It always sends a blind on the floor With my heart every time I saw you walking down the avenue Saw you talking with someone new Had to duck and hide from both of you So I watched you walk on by uh, The fridge is empty but the bed's still made The plants ain't looking so good these days The phone is ringing but it's not you on the line And it's one, two, in the morning that sweet, sweet, sweet love I keep on hearing about But how many times can one heart break? You know I've had my share This is waiting on the I've taken up the hobbies we have to exercise but I ain't so young no more and what a 
got a deck of cards and tried my hand at 21 But solitaire's the only game I ever won I can't believe that anyone would call that fun It takes two to play the game of war I used to count the minutes till the sun went down And I could wrap my arms around you Now I just wanna hear the sound of that alarm clock telling me the night is done Sweet, sweet, sweet love I keep on hearing about How many times can one heart break? No, I've had my share But this is way beyond repair That's enough, right? Yeah, beautiful song, man. Listen, I... Now... That one feels like a hit lost on a cassette to me, and uh, you know, and I when you when you were just singing it, I could easily hear it amped up a little bit with Dicky singing that. Okay, I will. Uh, I don't know if he's ever heard it, so I'll, I bet I'll he send has it his it. way. Well, maybe I'll let has. him know. Actually, you I, should I, send it to him. <laughs> I will. Or may, maybe I, you should I, sing I, it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a hit song, man, and you've been known to write them. So, I mean, it it seems like a little lost classic, and I could hear it being the sort of, you know, the the tear jerker on the Defiant album, sort of the tough guys getting getting soft for a season. I mean, who of the new bands out now, or are you listening to new music? What's inspiring you out there? That's that's sort of current, I guess. What do you think of? new music now compared to or in the whole industry compared to sort of the elevator jimmy iovine days let's see now i like a band called um fontaine's dc um one of my uh one of my favorite sort of like bedroom pop bands is always um spelled with two v's as their w um Gosh, I don't know. I mean, every once in a while, the kids will play something for me, and I'll be like, oh, that's pretty cool. But I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of new music, to tell you the truth. Have you ever heard that band called Clinic? I know the name. They're so good. Nobody talks that, about them, but they should have like a My Bloody to? Valentine level of uh, credibility and popularity, in my opinion. Anyway. Right yeah there's another band that that i actually you know it's i'm guilty for actually knowing them personally but they're really really good they're called the marias they're another kind of bedroom pop sort of band just since we're talking about that kind of music but and how do you feel about living in nashville now i mean you moved there so you could be a bit more free but what i've heard is nashville's gone pretty woke as well i mean are you in the center of Nashville? Are you on the outskirts? What's going on there? We're in East Nashville, so, you know, we're, we're in it, you know, but a, a lot of people like me from California have moved here, and and that's probably where the, the woke thing is coming from. But, you know, if you dig around out, like you said, in the outskirts and find some people that have been here for a long time, you'll find the, re the true Nashvilleians. 
So you're enjoying it. What do you think of the state of the world? Did you check out Vladimir Putin's Tucker Carlson interview? I mean, how how insane is the world on a scale of one to ten? And are you hopeful for the future? Or do you think we're in end times? Uh, gosh, I'm one of those people that has um, turned the news off. You know, right around nine eleven. You know, so mm. I, I. It's not that I don't care but I do find myself getting a little depressed when I watch too much of it. Uh, my wife was listening to the Tucker Carlson Putin thing yesterday morning, and I caught just a little bit of it, and I do plan on watching it. I just haven't watched it yet. But yeah, I think it's the pretty fascinating. gone completely crazy. The world's gone completely crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very scary times indeed. I mean... I know people with bunkers out here, put it that way. I know people are you are making one um i don't have the the room to do it the space to do it but um if don't I you could, just have I would. to dig into the front yard and make like an underground <laughs> an underground yeah, I mean, we have we have some I'm, you know in nashville though it's like if you dig two feet under the ground you hit you know solid granite or something and so you know i i hear that the biggest earthquake in in on this continent happened here years and years and years ago interesting so you guys are getting ready to go on tour is that daunting to you i mean like you you know you're old school guy but you're a family man is part of you eager to go on tour or is part of you sort of resistant to it i'm very eager to go on tour um but you know like i mean i'm with my family 24 hours a day you know we homeschool we are together yeah. at all times you know we've been living you know, under, you know, tight quarters for years and years and years. So to leave is a little scary, especially right now because of what we just talked about. But, yeah. um, but I'm excited. I think it's gonna be great. It is gonna be great. Greg Camp, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Tell people thank you where for to having find me, you real Joseph. quick. Really cool hanging out with you last weekend too, man. Thanks. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Where, where should people find you? You got like 20 seconds. Uh, Greg Camp Music on Instagram. Greg underscore Camp underscore Music Instagram. The Defiant Official Instagram. The Defiant right, Official. Gotta go. Keep listening, everybody. The TNT will be right back after these words.